This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and here I am with my still remote working co-host, Jon. Remote or die, baby. It's, uh, there's no choice anymore at this point, but uh, we're not alone. We are not indeed. We are joined once again uh, by Rodolf, who's going to continue talking about a variety of different topics that around remote working and uh, how things have continued to evolve in that space. And uh, it's again, like this is some of my favorite uh, sort of topics to discuss and Rolf has a huge amount of uh, experience in this space. So it's it's a really, really interesting conversation. Yes, yes. And I'm sorry you listeners, this is going to be a multi-parter, but we had so much good content that we just didn't want to, I didn't want to cut anything and drop it on the cutting room floor. So I'll left it all in and this is the midway point we'll reach. More to come. But before we look at the future, let's look at right now. Let's do it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's also another aspect, I think. I mean, if I look at my own situation, um, if I look at the org chart, I haven't got a single manager above me that lives in the same country. Hmm. So having face-to-face time is very hard. (laughs) And I think the more that this whole remote working companies that are built that way, if we do continue in that road, and I think we will, it's going to solve itself because having the physical presence just isn't going to be present anymore. Now, there is a counter side to that, which I hate, and that is that the political game within a company becomes way more important and more elaborate. I mean, being having the knowledge of when to be visible, when to step up, when not to step up, to make sure that your name gets dropped in enough places because you don't have that physical connection anymore. Yeah. I mean, I remember we used to have, uh, when I was at Microsoft, I think, we had this like social media training, how to put your LinkedIn profile correctly and how to t- talk on Twitter and how to talk on Facebook and things like that to make that, uh, to make you more than, more than a person. Yeah, to yeah. like to build your personal brand. Exactly, personal brand. That's the one I was looking for. And now this is getting more important, not just externally, but internally within the company. And when I look yeah. at how the promotions are handled now and where I work and the companies I know around me, that personal branding inside the company becomes very important. And some people, I mean, the less socially minded amongst us, I'm just going to say before Dave says so, <laughs> uh, that's a problem for us because we're not used to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm a techie. I, I love working with computers. People are, are difficult. Um, playing that political game is hard. And now I'm kind of advanced in my career, so it's not that big of an issue for me anymore. But I'm kind of waiting for schools, for universities to have personal branding courses part of the curriculum to make sure they have some kind of potential success. I agree. It's yeah. actually interesting to think about the skills you require to strive in a remote position. Mm-hmm. I've done the Google media training, I've done business school, so public speaking and other things I've been trained on, like professionally. But when I think about some of the skills that, re- that were required for me to adjust in a remote team, I can think about playing MMORPG in the early 2000s and interacting message board and being part of a guild that has been at least half as important yeah. as my previous experiences to be able to be concise, send a message, get commitments, interact, be respectful of people's time, understand other commitments. Like the internet lived memory is half as important as the office-based memory to be able to adjust to this new way to relate to people, at least in my own experience. Yeah. No, I, I, you, you bring up a really interesting topic. The, um, the, the skills, the behaviors, the, 
the approaches that people need to learn um, in a, like a fully remote working organization in order to be successful, I think have like have evolved, have changed. I think there is a a significant difference. But how how do how do organizations actually communicate that? Has it got to the point do you think where people are actively thinking about that? Do you think it's still very kind of word of mouth or is it still um is that still evolving there's no one really thinking about it at that level yet i think it's very much evolving and i think it's like the layers of an onion really like when you are a prospective candidate and you go to a careers page any careers page any startup out there that is profitable will have a careers page even though they're not hiring you will see in the language they use in the documents they point you towards in the resources they have in the handbook they may publish privately or openly um, all of those things are hints towards what the company lived memory is like and i'd always advise people that are applying to jobs to try to reach out to current employees informally in order to get feeders about what's happening in the company former employees are great sources of information as well uh, always have to filter on how they left and whether in good terms or no but more formally, when you go deep inside the company, it's interesting to ask, for instance, for remote work, let's zoom in on that for just a moment. Uh, we're talking about, you know, second line managers, but let's talk about uh, C-levels or directors or border directors. How many of those are working remotely today? Like, is the CEO working remotely? Or are they operating out of San Francisco office and telling everybody to work remote? It's hmm. not a bad thing. It's just, hmm. you know, People lead by example, we see that over and over again, and being remote or other things. Same with being frugal. If you get a email from CEO saying, everybody's gonna fly coach, but I'm off first class to meet investors. It's it's a mixed message. Same goes with remote. If you say, well, this is how we operate, but then they don't document the things or say they're gonna do all hands at a time, convenient to the time zone, but they don't record it. Then they may say they're inclusive to people working around the world, but in actions, they're not. So it can be course correct if it's not too severe and you can bring it up as a valuable member of a team. But if it's repeated over and over again, that sort of sets the front from the actual, you know, center and core of the company. And maybe there's a bit of a dissonance here at times. So time yeah. may fix it, but you got to be sure of what your time horizon is. Are, are you are you um, patient enough to go through the hurdle is, is a question mark. Are they aware yeah. that it exists? Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked. I think we talked before on one of our previous sessions around. There's a difference between, you know, remote friendly, remote first, and remote tolerant organisations. And now we're definitely seeing remote intolerant <laughs> organisations <laughs> as well. Um, but like that, as a as someone that that's worked at all of those different options. I can definitely say that there is a very different feel as a remote worker in each of those different organizations, each of those different perspectives gives you a very different flavor, a very different impact and a very different quality of life. experience. Yeah. And a very different quality of life. Like the, the amount of engagement that you have as a remote worker in an organization is directly proportional to how focused the organization is on making remote working something that is 
they believe core to their success. Yeah, but also the mm. feeling of shame, basically, because if you're working in a company that isn't embracing it and you have, are one of the lucky ones that's allowed to work from home, you kind of feel pressure because you feel you're not pulling your weight in some shape or form. While you, typically home workers work more productive than uh, non-home workers, but still the culture of the company is very, very important to make sure yeah. that people have a good quality of life. That's basically why I said it. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been remote working now for uh, well, it's fifteen years. It's probably about sixteen years now, I guess. Uh, so I was like one of the very earliest folks. Um, my first kind of remote working was at Red Hat. Uh, it was unusual, I would say, at the time. I was probably one of the one of the first kind of handful of folks um, in the organization that was doing that, and. It was, I would say, um, you know, Red Hat was remote tolerant at the start mm. and maybe remote friendly towards the sort of the end of my nearly five years there. But that was, you know, that was 16 years ago. Like that, the, 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 the systems really weren't there to support it. It really mattered most of all who your manager was and it, to, to make that happen in the first place because it was really unusual back then. It was not something that people, you know, many people were doing uh, and, you know, there the need to be sort of special exceptions. You need to have things in your contract that said that you were, um, you know, working from and then, you know, you had your, your mm -hmm. home address there rather than, you, you know, the which was typical to have the, the, the company's... Uh, you know, nearest office address and things like that. It was, it was kind of very much a sort of an outlier experience. But you know, it was still, in, for me, especially at that time and what I was doing at the time, it made perfect sense, and I wouldn't change it for the world. But I've I've since worked at organisations that were definitely remote first, um, and the the experience is is very different. Like everyone's remote. Everyone is, uh, everyone's distributed. Everyone is conscious of the fact that, you know, that teams are distributed over many time zones and many locations. And people are far more aware of all of these things that, that make mm -hmm. a difference. But there is still a challenge, which is, you know, especially say where I am at the moment, um, you're always, you're always hiring. You're always, the company is growing very rapidly still, even in these times. And so you're bringing new people in and you need to make sure that they are sort of uh, on board with the way that the organization is and the way that the organization continues to head. So there's this sort of, the, there's always the challenge of, it's, it's all very well having an organization that, you know, is remote first or has a lot of the, the behaviors and, and things that, that you think, you know, make the most sense. But you you need to be continually reinforcing that through onboarding, through screening during hiring and recruiting, and sort of making sure that your the people that you'll continue to add continue to move the company in the direction that it it, it wants to go. Sure. Sure. Um, I, I also think we should remember that maybe I'm wrong here, but this is very much existing in the technology world. But that's just one part of the world. 
And for us in the tech uh, world, we're used to this stuff by now. Some people have been doing it for decades, old people like Dave. But I live in a small village, a lot of farmers here, a lot of factory workers, stuff like that. And when I talk to them about this, they're looking at me like I'm crazy. No way that's going to work. So even though it is something real in the tech world, it's I still have I have more of a feeling now because I, I moved house this year. So I, I used to be in the city and now I'm moving more in the rural area. And just talking to people, I'm not going to say I don't know how lucky I am, something like that perhaps, but I'm kind of wondering if it's going to be something that's going to be sticking to the tech world because we're uniquely suited for this kind of approach. Or is this actually going to go further than that? I mean, if you're looking at manufacturing, things mm. like 3D printers, it's not the same thing as a manufacturing line, but we are kind of going towards producing when required in locations where it's needed, things like that. So kind of wondering how the world's going to change in the next 50 years, 100 years to see if this is going to be more pervasive worldwide or if it's going to be always something just for the techno people in the world. It's interesting. That's somewhat of a vision of what uh, Zuckerberg and Meta are laying. Yeah, exactly. uh, they're saying that if you have an Oculus uh, headset, then anyone can be a teacher remotely, anyone can be a surgeon yeah, remotely. Surgeons, yeah. That's a big question mark because I understand the vision, but when reality hits, you have face-to-face -face time, you have human contact, you have a lot of things that come into play. Um, it's interesting to note, however, that, for instance, you know, high school teachers, of course, you need to be teaching in a classroom. But when you're grading your paper, when you're prepping your uh, your courses, when you're reviewing things, there's a variety of things, maybe you know, a third of your time where you actually do that whenever, wherever you want. Uh, I remember as, you know, as a kid, my teacher would say, well, I'll go on vacation, I'll grade a bunch of paper whilst on a train or something like that. And I remember thinking, well, you know, that's pretty cool that you actually don't need to be stuck to a building to do a lot of things that don't depend on building. So I feel like some knowledge workers will get uh, flexibility out of it, but 100% freedom that comes with computer-facing position and, and uh, a lot of what text has to provide, I think that's quite unique. And I think to some extent, if you got so much time back and if you get the salary scale associated with tech traditionally, uh, you sort of won the lottery of owning your time and and, mm -hmm. and organizing yourself very, very well already. So I think we're having tons of conversations or the crypto feud, Twitter feud, like uh, Elon Musk, blah, blah, blah. So we get caught in a lot of things that are true, but I feel like it's reflective of a small circle of people and certainly not of the reality of large here. Yeah. I do think that education is going to go remote very quickly too. Because uh, looking at myself, uh, this year I started a degree and that's just in the whole vein of continuous learning. And that's not just a thing in tech, I think mm -hmm. in other functions, if you're just working in a supermarket, things are changing there too. So you have to kind of keep on uh, yeah. educating yourself and stuff. And when I looked around to, okay, I want to do this thing, I'm not going to give too much details, where can I do this? Well, any university that said you need to have your exams on premise or you need to have at least mm -hmm. 10 hours of school lecture hall i can't do that because i can't predict today what mm -hmm. next week is going to look like let alone a whole year so in the end i've chosen one of the biggest uh, universities that does everything online it's mm -hmm. a very 
traditional it's been around for decades <laughs> they've been doing this really yeah. really really long dave knows who i'm talking about i don't want to make publicity for the f-traffic organization here <laughs> but i mean and it's working fine i mean we've got our first semester done now and everything's been remote i've been i've done my uh, exams remote it's been submitted and it works and there's a lot of i'm gonna say semi-social lectures going on from the teaching assistant stuff like that yes it's yeah. a knowledge transfer kind of thing but it's also built specifically around hey we'll do a little group of people here we should talk to each other at least remotely to have motivation stuff like that and i feel that education is actually going quite far in that at the moment and um, the traditional universities that don't do this they're gonna have to follow suit or they're gonna lose their appeal true, uh, true. i don't know i think my counter to that would be i can definitely see it in higher education i think mm. universities and um, you know, organizations such as the one that uh, Jan has been alluding to that I will not name um, <laughs> have, uh, you know, have been doing this for a very long time and have shown that it can be absolutely successful. I do, however, think that um, pretty much every bit of education before that, um, so, you know, starting from the very earliest all the way up until university, I think is a. Uh, I think it's very unlikely that it will move as as quickly. It, I mm. I say this as as someone who uh, my partner is a teacher has been a teacher for <laughs> many many years, and uh, I I sort of know a little bit about uh, about what goes on in in the world of education through uh, through listening to to her and and occasionally hearing her rant about uh, what's going on, and I just. I just don't see it. I just don't see it anytime soon. Mm. But I think there are a huge amount of benefits to it. But the education system is a behemoth. I... It's also it's also an organisation that is um, always drastically short of uh, of money, and True. the the sort of the ability to make changes like this. And one of the reasons why I think the tech world did adapt. Um, to it was was the um, the fact that you know money sloshes around in the tech world, um, and we can we can generally speaking afford to spend uh, on kind of initiatives like this far more readily and far more easily than um, than the education system can in general. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm definitely definitely generalizing here. Education yeah. did it during Corona. They had to do it all remote, so they know they have it in place. Yeah. Money has been spent. They, yeah, but the experience was, generally speaking, not that great for both parents, for students, yeah. for teachers. Um, like teachers that that I know who went through that were were not. They they loved the uh, the ability to to be at home and that sort of thing, but everything else was very very stressful, very very painful. Main reason they're still know. face to face schooling is because parents dump their kids. <laughs> and there is that and there is that too yeah there is that too and that's it for part two of our interview with rodolfi about remote working and as you've been witness a lot of stuff that hang that hangs around with and has to do with remote working again some good content i think yeah amazing loved loved it continue to enjoy the conversations and the topic area we have more to come. But until then, that is all we have for today. You can support this podcast. You can become a patron or contributions to help us keep this podcast in the air. 
We are on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, hit notification bells, and watch videos. That's basically what it's there for. You can go to www.roaringelephant.org. There's links there to the Patreon page, to the YouTube page, and other information about the podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter using the at Roaring Elephant tag. You can also still send your feedback to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Let us know if you enjoyed this series and if you should more, do more like this. Until next time, my name is I Don't Need No Stinking Manager, Jan. And my name is Keep Flying Dave. I look forward to talking to you again next week. Bye-bye. See you then.